I just slipped through an exam and you're listening to a Radio 1 91 FM podcast. I'm talking to somebody who is bisexual in every facet of their life except for their sexual orientation. <laughs> Amy. And I'm talking to somebody who's playing into the performative nature of gender through the hegemonic lens, a breather, Charlie. <laughs> and welcome to our final mini-sode of season two. We didn't really do a mini-sode f- after Cherub. No. Because Cherub was about eight hours long. And I'm not sure if um, I'd call 700 metric tons of, of audio file mini. No, I don't think mini is the best uh, adjective to use there. But, but then again, I think we'd both agree that, that part two of Cherub is far superior than part one. So Oh, absolutely. Part yeah. one flop. What a flop. Don't, <laughs> don't even listen to it. Yeah. But if you today want to, on this episode, yeah. we are going through our three flops yeah. of the year. Three book flops, that is. Not our flops not that our we've flops. done. That would be a not, not, our, not our personal flops, like, you know, people we just don't like. Um, three <laughs> book flops, three fave books, and then three books that we want to read mm-hmm. before the end of the year. We thought it would be a good way to leave you since there's going to be the summer. And we all know summer's up for reading. Hot girl book summer. Yeah. And also, like... The simple truth is, four episodes of talking about books is quite frankly not enough, and no. we need to talk about these yeah. books more and more and more. Absolutely. And so um, that's what brings so us here it, today. It's a kind of a nine by nine. It is. A three by 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 three. Um, very unison. It's a square. Yeah. Um, Punnett square. That's two by two. You could have bigger punnets than that. When the genes get more complicated, I did sales one nine one and really? passed it. Really? How big it. can they get? Well, I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I know Whoa. that they can go three by three. Shit me sideways. <laughs> well, <laughs> so then I guess we are doing a fucking Punnett square. Okay. Sorry, breather science. We have so many So I guess we just need to decide sort of mm. what third of that Punnett. Okay, which category are we talking about first? I think we go worst. I think we go worst to best. Work our way up. To what we're going to read next. End on something positive. Yeah, I yeah. think that's good. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, I need to talk about mm-hmm. um, my biggest flop of the year. Yep. Absolutely, hands down. And, you know, this is surprising because it was nominated, shortlisted for the Man Booker Prize it's in 2021. Also, I just know it's going to be surprising to me because it's going to come out of nowhere because you wouldn't have talk to me deeply and done screaming in my room about it multiple times in fact yeah in fact at the last book club i also yelled about it to and a, you a large threw number it across of people, the room as it should as i did as with it, another book i'm going to be talking about as it honestly deserves to be it deserves to be in the bin in okay i take that they put a I'm lot so- of work into it you know and, and a lot of heart okay lots of people like it even though they're wrong. Yeah, they're fucking Even wrong. Even though I haven't it's read stupid. it. I haven't read it. You're not going to so like I'm it. Not. I know you're not. Yeah. Because we're the same person. And obviously <laughs> the book that I'm talking about right now is No One Is Talking About This by Patricia Lockwood. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, it's fucking shit. Okay, so you, when, you see, when you hear about a contemporary novel, mm. you think character... Or mm-hmm. plot. There's going to be at least one of the two. Patricia Lockwood really came in here and she said, what if I give you neither? 
And I'm also not going to give you setting. I'm not really going to give you tone. All I'm going to give you is Twitter. And okay? a deformed baby. And a deformed baby halfway through. Okay, so oh the God. first half of the book is literally like a stream of consciousness, but in like Twitter-sized chunks. And it's just like general observations that the main character, who's like an influencer, is talking about. So it's just basically like, internet is bad. Internet is so weird. Blah, 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 blah. And then halfway through, her sister, spoiler alert, but don't read it, her sister (laughs) has a baby and the baby is deformed and basically this is like a huge moment for the main character mm. and she's like oh my god internet is like not even good like you you can totally unplug and like find out that nature is nice and blah 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 and i'm like shut up i don't know any of these characters this isn't a story the other thing about no one is talking about this is ironically everybody's talking about it right now everyone yeah. and me and charlie are deep into as market research, if you will, yeah, and definitely not because we procrastinate real hard and we like watching YouTube. We're into BookTube, you and know, Bookstagram. and and Bookstagram and Book Talk, you know, yeah. and everybody is talking about nobody's talking about this, which has a special irony in itself. It sure does. Um, it sounds like from what you're saying that it's a book about internet culture written by someone who um doesn't understand internet culture, who hates internet culture. Sounds like and she doesn't understand memes and either. And it's also marketed. To, to people that already don't like the internet. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's why I think it's doing so well. Because mm. all of these old fucks... So- <gasps> How dare you? Can anything make you My as parent- angry as a bad book? No. No. Because no. you spend so much time Have with Have you it. seen that scene in um, Silver Linings Playbook where um, Bradley Cooper is in a manic episode and he's reading... I don't remember what book he's reading. And it's three o'clock in the morning and he throws the book out the window, th- like through the window, out the window at three o'clock in the morning and starts screaming. And that's how that's, I feel. That's you know? how I feel when I finish this book. Actually, halfway through Not multiple points out this book. Not that I have mania. I've Not had anymore. it in the past. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry, let's go for coffee. We've stolen your brand. But <laughs> okay, but the thing is, the writing, mm. the writing is not terrible because Patricia Lockwood is a poet. First, right, and this yeah. is her first novel ever. So the writing is actually quite nice, and it's quite lyrical. And if it was literally a collection of poetry, I think that I would like it mm. so much more. If it's the just, tweets weren't interlinked, if the tweets weren't interlinked, but also they're not really interlinked. Mm. And the, but there is a character, but there's also not. You learn nothing. Yeah, the thing that's troubling to me about this book is that it's so high, highly lauded. Like, it's been... It's nominated for the Women's Prize. I'll tell you what the real problem is. Okay. <laughs> so, yes, it, it was nominated for the Women's Prize, and, yes, it could potentially win the, um, the Man, Man Brooker. Brooker. Do you know whose review is on the front page? Oh, my God, who is it? Sally Rooney's. <gasps> Sally, no! She oh, loves no. it. Well, I'll have to... I haven't read it, so I'll, maybe I'll love it. But I probably won't. <laughs> I feel like my hatred is so intense that you're either going to have the exact same reaction mm. or you will have the complete opposite and you'll, yeah. you won't fall in the middle. One of the other books that Charlie is talking about, I had the same reaction to, but I said to him, I'm not going to say anything about the book until you finished it because yeah. I didn't want... I didn't want to brainwash you into hating the books I hate. But, you know, you naturally do that because we're soulmates. You but, know? And luckily so. we had the exact same reaction and we have the exact same thoughts and feelings because we yeah, so do awesome. operate telepathically. We really do. Um, <laughs> okay, you ready? Yeah. What colour am I thinking of? Green. Green. Oh! oh! 
Oh my god. <laughs> That was okay. that was nice. That was a good one. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna do my first one. Yeah. Um, right, Disgrace by J.M. Coetzee, I think is his last name. Mm-hmm. Um, it won the Pulitzer Prize, I think. Wait, I wrote this down somewhere. Maybe I didn't. Um, he's I'm, also won the Nobel Prize for Fiction, right? Maybe like, no, I think maybe it won the Nobel's no, Nobel then. This right. one won something. It was a something big deal. Pink. It's about a um university lecturer who sleeps with one of his students, and his life kind of um disintegrates, and it's in set in South Africa and I don't know if I'm supposed to be physically repulsed by everything that happens in the book and the main character I think that might be the point but I'm not really sure but I did go on Goodreads and I'd like to just read somebody else's the first part of their very long review because it's it really sums up how I feel okay this book made me want to read Twilight oh my god (laughs) no I'm not finished you know that's good (laughs) Yes, Twilight. Perfectly perfect young people falling in love and never growing old. God, I hope that's what's in store for me. Uh, And I also need an antidote to disgrace. It affected me more than I thought it could in ways I hadn't imagined possible. And at page 10, I would have literally given it five stars. The writing was superb. Halfway through, though, I would have given it four. Excellent, but slightly annoying. At the end, I gave it zero. I was shouting, what? What the hell is this ending? That? And I was wondering if I was going into shock. I'm demanding my stars back for ruining my life. So I'm getting not great things from that review. Another person has said, to begin with, let me make this clear. J.M. Coetzee is a genius and has left me intellectually fulfilled but severely shocked. So that leads to me to believe that the shock and revulsion that I was feeling at everything that happens in this book and all of the choices was the point. Mm. I hope it's the point. I think it's probably the point, but I feel like they may could have made that clearer. Like, I'm kind of stupid. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I study no, English, no. but like, I, I just genuinely was like, I hate this character. I hate what's going on. I hate the, the choices that have been made. Do you know if the author writes other books that are supposed to be shocking? I don't really know because this book just upset me so much. You couldn't find anything more. Yeah. I mean, the thing about this book, which troubled me, which is why it's got a few stars on my on my kind of out of 10 thing, is um, it's beautifully written. It's gorgeous writing. Mm. It's really, really wonderful. But it is so... I just hate the character. He's so blah. But he's also aggravating at the same time. And like... And there's like some good obvious comments where the university is like, we want to keep you, like, even though you did this bad thing. And he's kind of like, well, I did the bad thing, you know, like, I'm not going to pretend I didn't. And I think that was kind of a comment about universities trying to protect their staff, which I yeah. think is dangerous. Yeah. Which I think it, I think that was a clear point that was made. But all of the other ones, I'm not sure. And, and do you remember, he gets lit on fire at one point. Like For what? For what? And I don't know. I like. I I might read it again. I don't know. I, I I was supposed to be. I was reading it for a paper, which I um went to and then dropped. And so, like maybe maybe I would have found out if I kept doing the paper, <laughs> but I I don't know. Who's to say? Like the thing is, if you're gonna have a main character that's unlikable, you need to make the at least the story compelling enough. Yeah. You, you need to make him an, an anti-hero or something, or yeah, yeah. like it's fine have to some have sideline characters that you're it's fine to have an asshole in. main character. That's absolutely fine. Yeah. If anything, preferable. 
<laughs> we love the complex characters. Yeah, we do. Anyway, let's keep it moving. Okay, keep it mo- keeping it moving. Keeping the it other moving. thing I want to say is okay. we've really <laughs> sorry we've really started out with two books that we kind of like vehemently disliked. Yeah, I am moving down like. Like I, with each I, subsequent book, I feel less angry towards I them. Would like to be clear, and like these are not the worst books we've ever read. No, um, they're just the books that we found like least fulfilling to read this year. I wonder if we found them, you know, even less fulfilling because they are well written. So it's almost like maybe, a maybe, yeah. Because they tricked us. They, they gooped us. us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they gooped us onto... We, we started and we were like, we, oh my gosh, beautiful. Love it. I was rooting for you. We yeah, were yeah. all rooting for you. And you let us down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm jumping into um, yep. one of the most famous books that have come oh out in the last God, three it's years. so famous. Famous and like it's sold... I mean, on the cover, it says it's sold 5 million copies Everyone worldwide. was so wet for it Everyone like, two loves years it. ago. It's being made into a movie. It's become like it's a what, whole thing. It's your thing. sister's, one of your sister's favourite books. Yeah. Which I did get into a, a verbal fight at your 21st party about. Yeah, my flop sister's favourite book. I say um, that. So this is Where the Crawdads Sing by yep. Delia Owens. And let's just start with point number one. Yeah. Author. Mm-hmm. Author. So um, there's... She is currently wanted for murder <laughs> in, I believe, Zambia, um, because basically her and her Allegedly. husband were like zoologists, yeah. and they were quite prolific. They did like a lot of books and like TV shows or something like that, and they were like, oh, we we hate poachers, and you know, we would, we scare them off with guns, and then the government was like, some of them never some returned them, home. Some of them, we found, yeah, some of fled. them are dead. And then they yeah. just fled the country. So we're not saying she's a murderer. We're saying allegedly there's some evidence that she might be. We're not not saying she's which makes the a other point. So the, so I've read this book as well. Yeah. Um. So I'm not just talking about it as if I have. I have also read this book, which makes the next thing that you're going to kind of talk about especially poignant. Like one yeah. of our issues with the book before we knew this stuff. Yeah, yeah. My my um, biggest problem with the book is the fact that. So the main character mm-hmm. is a white woman yeah. who is living in She's the, impoverished. I should probably say what the book is about. Yeah. So the book is about <laughs> <laughs> So the book follows this woman Kia Kaya? Kaya. Kaya, who um grew up in like the marshland of North Carolina and her whole yeah. family sort of slowly leaves her and so mm-hmm. she grows up by herself learning how to survive. Yeah. And it kind of the story runs on two parallel um, timelines that's mm-hmm. one time and then the other time is like present day which is like 60 the 1960s or 1970s yep. america or something so it's like in the past and there's been a murder yeah of a like a really popular athletic boy and you know who a chad so who was it who 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 killed the boy blah 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 rest of the book I'm not gonna tell you anything else um but my biggest problem with this yeah so she's growing up mm-hmm She's in the wild. Yeah. She's a social outcast. She is a total social outcast. And the author decides to draw a parallel between yeah. her living just outside of town mm-hmm. with the black experience during 1960s North Carolina. And actual seg- segregation. That conflation does not sit well no, with me. No, it doesn't. No, and it's that didn't just, at the time. It's just not right. And also because, like, she literally, they they came to her house. Yeah. The authorities came to her house and forced her to go to school. Yeah. 
and she decided she decided to live. it's just like completely different experiences yeah. that is not a parallel that especially a white woman should be making no absolutely not and and so- not one with a past of allegedly murdering black people in their homeland yeah and you know so that's just a one problematic bit the other problematic bit is that the writing sucks <laughs> um the her descriptions i mean yes I did feel like I was it in was the mask It was very sometimes. vivid and I read it very quickly. It was very vivid. It was very easy to read. But the descriptions were just very um, basic and they were very long. Yeah. And overly detailed. They were just... And the, I just said too much. Some people really like that writing and I respect that, but I don't support it. No, um, it's not for me and it's not for Amy. No. And just overall, I would give this book a... Four or a three point five yeah. out of ten because it, it was easy to read. The other thing and that, people do like it. The other thing that I came away from it, apart from all of those other things that make me actually very like angry, the other thing that I didn't like was that there's kind of three good stories that are occurring. You know, there's mm-hmm. her educating him herself. There's her um, meeting the first boy. Yeah. And then there's the murder. And it's too much is happening and she's not handling it well enough. And then at the end, there's kind of a reveal for something that nobody even cares about. That's just like, oh, blah, 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 blah. But it's like not even one of those three storylines. It's just too much and too little space. The murder was only put into the book in order to become a bestseller. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Yeah, I I agree. I never felt like there was much passion behind that storyline at all. Yeah. It was, she wanted to write about a girl growing up in. The Marshlands by herself, which and is a cool story. So it was a, the, the first third, actually good. good. Liked it. Yeah. Then it the went rest off the rails. was just kind of shit. So yeah, I mean, so that that's my other flop of the year. Okay. What's your second flop of the year? My second flop of the year. I don't know if it's a full flop. It's mm-hmm. definitely not the worst book I've read this year. I've just read a lot of good books this year. Yeah. It's Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. I'm just gonna leave that pregnant <laughs> pause there. <laughs> What if you didn't even elaborate? We just moved on. <laughs> um, no, you it's not an understatement to say that the entire book community on the internet is gagging for a song of Achilles. Literally haven't and, heard a single bad thing about the book. You know, I do get it and I do like what it's doing. I like it's a, So Song of Achilles is a retelling of the kind of b- Battle of Troy and like Achille- like the demigod Achilles and his BFF, who's also his gay lover, Patroclus. And I really like that. I knew that story already. I, I had read another retelling that was from Achilles's wife's perspective, which was oh. also yeah, that was kind of shit too. But it was it was interesting. Um, and it's kind of exploring the fact that like Patroclus and, and Achilles have been interpreted by straight white um, academics as just best. Best, best bros, such good bros, bromance, you yeah, know. Yeah. Even though the like the the ancient Greek texts are like, yeah, they went over and fracked, you know, like fracked to and head. they're like, yeah, because they're such yeah. good friends. Achilles was a bottom. And, um. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I really enjoy that that story is being told and people are identifying with it. That being said, I thought the characterization was non-existent. Like I felt like, like they just introduced Patroclus and they're like, he's a person. And then they're like, Achilles, he's a perfect person. And then they like fall in love. But like I didn't feel anything because I was like mm. like I, I was like, go you guys, like Yeah, and everyone's like, This book broke, broke my heart. I'll never be the same after reading it. And look, I cry almost every day. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of those videos where the where a dad says, No, we're not getting a dog, and then the 
then they're their biggest fan. That'll make me cry instantly. Instantly. Every time. Um, books, sobbing. Okay. Yeah. Um, a dry ice was... Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> dry ice? A dry eye was in the house. Okay. And it was mine. And I didn't yeah. feel anything. And I'm really, really sorry to everyone. I think some people have said that like the shit characterization is because the narrator's unreliable. Um, and I'd just like to say you can't just say a narrator's unreliable just because you want them to be because the characterization is poor. Like an unreliable narrator has to tick a certain amount of boxes, you know? Yeah. Um, the other thing is like maybe I've just studied too much actual classics and I knew the story already. Like I think that mm. might be. Well, I'll be interested to see what I think of yeah. it because I'm going to read the book yeah. reasonably soon. And it was better, like I started reading, I think also the other thing is I've been studying a lot of creative writing this semester and so I was, I'm overly critical of reading right now and it's hard to kind of switch that off. Yeah. Um. So when I like started listening to the audiobook halfway through, I did like it much better. Um. But honestly, I enjoyed the 1300-page Harry Potter fan fiction about Sirius and Remus that I read more. I liked that more, so sorry. Her bonus recommendation. Get on to your third. <laughs> My third, honestly, I don't even have much to say about it yeah. because I, much like Amy, I've read really good books this year. And so this book was just kind of average yeah, and just too long. And I'm talking about Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell by what? Susanna Clarke. <laughs> Never heard that before in my life. <laughs> you did not tell me about that. I've heard of Susanna class, Clark. I, yeah, uh, she recently won the Woman's Prize for, for fiction. Was it for the the one about Pan? Peranesi. 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 I've heard really good things about yeah, that. So I'd like to read that. That's a short book. Yeah. This book was about, I think it's like eight hundred and fifty pages. I don't know why. I don't know why I decided to pick it up. And it's about <laughs> magicians in like the 18th century, but they're kind of like average magicians and they can't do much. <laughs> and so. Sounds kind of lit. <laughs> but they just kind of like hang around and they're like, oh, can you do this? And the magicians are kind of like, like, not no. really. <laughs> and so you're like, oh, this is cool. What's going to happen next? And spoiler alert, not much. And it's just. <laughs> It just sort of wanders on, and like I'm sure it's some people's thing. Yeah, there was one good thing that I right. really liked about it. They, which I thought was really good, a good idea uh -huh. for like when you're creating an entire new world with an all new mythology, mm -hmm. is she would have little footnotes. For, like, oh, I love, new, I love a footnote for, as like, a style choice. As a style choice, and she would like cite a different book, like in their world, in the wo oh. and and like explain like something because it's so good because was there if any you want to if you want to you can find out uh, every single thing but if you want to just read over it and just like get through the book you can i love that oh, okay well, that idea. sounds great that sounds like a good idea but the book sounds kind of the book was just long and boring poorly it, was, paced. it wasn't it wasn't bad it wasn't unenjoyable it was yeah it's just the same with song of achilles i was just long I thought, and yeah. boring okay i'm gonna right, do my, my my third one um kind of a spicy choice because i did enjoy the book but oh, I also disagree with it. It's Love in the Time of Cholera by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Mm -hmm. um, this book won the Pulitzer. No, it didn't. It won the Nobel Prize for Fiction. Yeah. Um, it's a Colombian book. Um, it's about these characters, Florentino Risa and Femina Daza. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's how the, um, the audio book taught me how to say them. <laughs> um, and about their love story that spans over about 60 years. And oh, my God. It's brilliant and it's funny 
and it's got this idea of magical realism, which I really like. I like the I like the kind of genre of magical realism. It's this kind of describing normal things as completely magical in the way that kind of a magical text would describe them. Yeah. And and also having kind of these links of like fate going on and like how things are meant to happen and that kind of interweaving. It's really cool. Really cool. Um, but there's just some really terrible attitudes and takes that don't yeah. sit well for me. Mm-hmm. And if they weren't in the book, and especially Florentino Ariza, I don't like him as a character. He's deeply flawed. I, I don't think that's a terrible, that's not a reason to just write off a book. But there's there's some, there's a lot of racism. And well, there's not, there's a, a bit of racism. There's a lot of misogyny and a lot of sexism. And some would argue that it's like of its time because it's kind of set in like, the kind of cholera epidemic, but it was written in the 80s. So, and like maybe I like again, I like want to give Gabriel Garcia Marquez the benefit of the doubt. Like maybe he wrote these things as being like, this is wrong or like this is a complex story. They might not yeah. reflect him, but I don't know. Like I don't, I don't know. And I mean, like maybe, maybe yes, it was mm. a book of its time. But that also means that, like, it's really difficult to read that sort of stuff these days. And it, yeah. like, it still affects your reading experience. If you're reading a classic that is, like, actively racist. Like, I tried just... to read Heart of Darkness by mm. Joseph Conrad. Literally couldn't get through the first chapter. Because I was like, I actually just can't read. I know that's important. And it was, like, it's just hard to it. get. Like, I did at times get lost in the story. And I, and I thought it was. And it, the other thing was that it was it's kind of really funny. Which mm. I think I really like in a serious work that it's actually still funny. I think it's hard to write good humour. Yeah. Um, I think I'm still going to read 100 Years of Solitude, which is one of his other books, yeah. and maybe find out, maybe I'm wrong about it. Um, and also my dad's got um, kind of a non-fiction work about Gabriel Garcia Marquez, and so maybe I'll get some insights in there. I'm interested in understanding. But if, you know, if you're really interested in magical realism i think a really good boat to go is one of my favorite books of all time it's called captain crowley's mandolin by louis de bernays bernays sauce yeah louis de bernays sauce if you will um and that book is hilarious and has that magical realism and it makes you feel and it kind of breaks you but it also makes you believe in love but it also isn't racist sexist or misogynistic and there's also queer characters and and everything that was that was also written in, in the 90s i think so it was of its time in a good way. You see what I mean? Ah. <laughs> what, right. Okay. Let's move on to some of our favorite books. Okay. So um, in classic Amy and Charlie style, we've noticed that this episode is running over um, mm-hmm. as with every single episode ever to um, be fair. We don't really even have a time target anymore. <laughs> we don't, we don't, but we also, we will we we need to change the title of Minisode. Yeah. But while it's still here for season two, yeah. we need to try keep it. We're we, gonna we, try we, and... we need to keep it short. Yeah. So what we're gonna do is we're going to have a little two minute timer. So you might hear a little ding in the background. And we've got two minutes to talk about each of our favorite books. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. I'm yeah. gonna start um starting now. So my first favorite book or my thick one of my three is Intimations by Zadie Smith, oh my God, which so is good. like a collection of short essays that Zadie Smith wrote at the very start of lockdown. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a good time capsule and it really captures mm-hmm. that feeling when everything is kind of going 
to shit. The cultural zeitgeist, if you will. Yeah, like it's it's so good, and you're like those casual observations mm-hmm. that you notice. You know how people's behaviors slightly shift, and how yeah. there are some people that you sort of see every day. And you don't really think about seeing them every day until you can't. Mm-hmm. People don't even really yeah. know, but you see them. And so, like, it's just, it was so good. And it's so short. Yeah. Definitely worth a buy. You can read it in a day. Literally. Um, I also, we just fucking stand Zadie Smith. She's so br- brilliant and talented. Zadie I'm, Smith for life. We're, we're keen to do a Zadie Smith episode. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. God, she's good. God, she's good. And the intimations was just so... Perfect. She's such a talented author. Okay, yeah. I feel like that's that enough. was a good one. Yeah, maybe it's easier to write to talk about books we like. Yeah, maybe. I think so. I also don't want to give too much away. Okay, okay you go. This is kind of hard of, for me to figure out what my favorite books were. Yeah, I'm actually pausing because I'd like to interject. Little tangent, if you will. Okay. Um, I just like to say that we're we're trying to talk about books that we haven't talked about on the podcast before, or that we don't think we probably will talk about on the podcast well actually i'm hoping we're going to talk about most of the books i talk about today what i literally told you that yeah i know but all of the other books we're also thinking about talking about oh that's true that's the problem if people it'd be almost better if people can listen to our recommendations read them and then we get to talk about them and they actually have read the book for once yeah this is true (laughs) anyway i've read so many fantastic books this year it's been a year of good books and so these are not all of my top tens i have about like i have Probably 10, 10 out of 10s, if you will. 10 of your um, top 10. And obviously, OA takes takes it Oh, it takes for it me. for both of us. It takes it for both of us Um, and lots of other books. But anyway, so sorry. I'm going to st- I'm starting again. Okay, go. Um, I'd like to talk about Victory Park, which is by Rachel Kerr, mm-hmm. um, published by Makoto Press, who also published OA, of course. Um, we stand. We fucking stand. <laughs> And they listened. Yeah. If you're listening again, we, we still love Hi, you. Hi. Love you. <laughs> um, yeah, so Victory Park is this brilliant novel about this. Um, it's a really quiet story, actually. It's about this mother called Kara, and she lives in this group of council flats in Wellington called Victory Park. Um, and she's a nanny, and she looks after other people's kids to get by. Um, and her quiet life is kind of shaken up when this flamboyant, intoxicating woman called Bridget, who's like the kind of ex-wife of a scammer mm-hmm. moves in and kind of shakes everything oh. up and their friendship takes kind of unexpected twists and turns and forces Kara to like face what kind of person she wants to be. Interesting. And it's just written so beautifully. It is such brilliant writing. It is such a small story. I really like stories that, I don't know, I wrote, I wrote a sentence the other day that made a lot of sense, which is like, I'm, I'm interested in not the forgotten people and their stories, but the people whose stories are kind of often deemed unimportant. Right, yeah. So, like, say, a nanny. It makes sense. Or a, or a mother or carers, you know, like, or yep. Yep. elderly people, which I'll talk later, and, and, like, those kind of things. I really appreciate those books. So Victory yeah. Park was brilliant. Yeah. Um, loved it. 10 oh, out of 10. I really want to read it. You it really so should. Good. We'll get you a copy, don't worry. <laughs> um, the second book that I wanted to talk about was mm-hmm. Hamnet by... Maggie O'Farrell. Maggie O'Farrell. I haven't even read it. I don't know where that was sitting in my brain. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I I can't believe I forgot it. But this is a beautiful book. It's about Shakespeare's family in Mm -hmm. Stratford. um, And 
it's sort of, it's it's about like their domestic life and basically the people that he left behind when mm-hmm. he went to London and he's never referred to by name it's always Agnes's husband or the playwright or um Hamnet's dad mm. and it's just about their life and Agnes is kind of an outcast in the town and the second half of the book especially is such a beautiful stream of consciousness kind of mm-hmm. about grief yeah and it's it's a kind of it's about woman empowerment it's mm-hmm. about letting children speak for themselves it's about oh it's just so good it's, it's about the people who are not deemed important yeah literally it's, it's I literally it. it's I'm literally really keen about to read it. the forgotten people I cannot wait to read it yeah it's so beautiful and she's such a good author and also the cover is delicious amazing to die love for it. Yeah. so good yeah Fucking love it. And Agnes, the main character. What a girl boss? A girl boss. A queen. A girl boss the through house and down through. boots. I would die for Agnes. <laughs> okay. You'd die for a lot of although, people. Although, in the audiobook, the narrator keep going, Agnes? 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 Is that how you say it? No. It's spelled A G N E S. Agnes? In charge, hello. Hello, am I? <laughs> like, you can't just pronounce things the way you want. <laughs> you have to pronounce things the way I want. <laughs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> okay, the next book I'm talking about is Olive Kitteridge by Elizabeth Strout. Um, it won the 2008 Pulitzer Prize, mm-hmm. and it fucking deserved it. It was such a good book. Um, yeah. I listened to it completely on Audible because I, I like audiobooks. I don't know why I have to kind of <laughs> explain that one. Um, and it was just so good. So it's made up of 13 quite long interlinked short stories and each story is united by the presence or at least the influence of this one character olive yeah but not every story is about her yeah and not even every story even directly relates to her yeah like in one story she's just mentioned as as being one of the teachers of one of the people yeah um and it kind of just focuses on the huge effect that a small person can have on a community yeah it's like set in this town in Maine called Crosby, Maine, and you get to you get introduced so deeply and so intricately in such short spaces of time to these characters that you care so deeply for and all of these stories, but it's these sharp little bursts of like narrative arcs mm. and you're following Olive over like I think it's eight or nine years over these 13 stories. And so you kind of have these nice gaps where you're trying to fill in what happened in between. And Essentially, Olive is kind of going into her golden years. She's aging and she's kind of trying to navigate the world as an elderly, becoming elderly woman. Yeah, I've heard only good things about this book. Um, And like the the sequel to the book um, kind of blew up. Olive again yeah. was a big deal when it came out like two years ago, I think. Yeah. And um, the other thing about Olive Kitteridge is that there's a HBO Francis adaptation McDormand. with Frances McDormand and dare I say it's like the best casting of all time maybe I just knew that because I already casted her <laughs> anyway um, so that was easily 10 out of 10 it's it's beautiful writing it's exactly the writing that I like yeah and Frances McDormand is a queen what and a she girl is, boss she could play every She's not character even a girl boss. on every single like, yeah she absolutely she is acting the concept dare I say she might be better than Meryl Streep <gasps> Meryl Streep in her greatest role yet. (laughs) (laughs) 
So my final book that I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. is a book that I read quite recently. It's called My Year of Rest and Relaxation by Otessa Moshfig. And it, like, blew me away. Yeah. I couldn't stop talking about it. Couldn't stop thinking about it. And it's such a bizarre book in terms of concept and mm-hmm. writing style. But it's so beautiful. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's about this woman whose parents die. Mm-hmm. And she is just going through so much. And she goes, okay, all that I need is I need an entire year yeah. to sleep. So yeah. she gets a whole lot of sleeping pills. She lies to her psychologist so that she can get some more sleeping pills. And she just like takes a different cocktail of them each time. And she discovers a new one where she basically passes out for three days. Yeah. But she wakes up and she's done stuff. Mm. So she doesn't remember what she's done, but she's done things. Yeah. So kind of the whole, like it's not just a book of dreams. Yeah. It's kind of these little points over the course of a year of her waking up Mm. and realizing what's happened in the time that she's been asleep. Mm -hmm. And it's just such an interesting deep dive into character, into psychology, into immense privilege, because Mm -hmm. she commonly talks about how, rich she is how pretty she is how she's only able to do is. this because she has so much privilege because she's got so much privilege yeah. and it's just so, such a fascinating book and she does so many awful things and basically never gets reprimanded for them mm. and i saw it fascinating i'm that's on my to be read mm-hmm. absolutely um and i saw this meme that was like <laughs> my year of rest and relaxation that's my joker <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i i hear a lot that this is like basically a female version of Fight Club mm. and that people take away sometimes the wrong message yeah. from it because it can be seen as sort of glamorizing mental illness. Yeah. Because oh, oh. <laughs> because it does seem like the way that she mm. describes it is like, oh, yeah, that could be a good Kinda idea. Fun. But it's not. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it's actually, it's incredibly. And if you get to the very mm. end, she's like, Fuck, that was a bad idea. <laughs> but anyway. Um, yeah, I think What's it's interesting because so many people have been like, I think you'd really, un- I think you'd, you should read it. Yeah. Um, Why do you think that is? Well, I took six months off for my mental health in my second year of university, which was the hardest decision I've ever made, but definitely the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's really funny. <laughs> that everyone's like, this? Who would like this? Amy. Amy. <laughs> Um, Taking some time out of a busy life. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's on my, it's on my own to be read yeah. for sure. It's for show, good. if you will. Okay. Okay. My final book. Yeah. That is my best book that I've read. Um, I'd like to preface it by saying that um, the person that recommended this book to me was my Granny Ruth. Um, mm-hmm. And she Queen. recommended it to me after reading it with her book club. And the entire book club was like, I don't fucking get it. Like, this is weird and it's kind of, like, stupid and, like, race? Like, what? But, like, two of... But it was, like, her and this other woman were, like, this is the best book I've read all year, you know? Yeah. So it's Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reid. Oh, my God, I want to read it so bad. And it's this page-turning novel that explores, like, race, privilege, love and relationships. Um, It follows this woman called Amira who's... Um, kind of in her 20s. She doesn't know what she's doing with her life and she's a nanny. She's a black woman and she's a na- nanny for a social media influencer called a- Alex. Okay. And Alex? Am- Alex. It gets explained in the book. <laughs> <laughs> so I know. Um, and Amira is stopped, like the book starts when Amira is stopped one night while looking after Alex's daughter, Briar. 
um, because she's in this like fancy supermarket, like say more Wilsons, right? Mm-hmm. And somebody's like, you've kidnapped that white child. And so there's this kind of event, right? And that's how, and so the book follows the repercussions of that night for Amira, but also like how Alex, Alex, Alex. <laughs> Thank you. Um, how Alex is well-intentioned, but like incredibly pop- problematic. Um, mm-hmm. And Briar, who's this two-year-old character, is brilliant, like perfectly written. She's not described like in what she looks like or like what she does. She's only kind of, she's revealed in dialogue. And it's this really good, like, I am i don't know if you can tell, I really love children. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's this really, really good, like, characterization of a child it's so real it's so perfect it's so hard to get the characterization of a child right absolutely so it's so impressive when it is because i think a lot of people just don't see children as people yeah um, but they absolutely are oops i'm finna um i think there's fantastic comment on um white feminism and like the toxicity of girl boss culture yeah i know that we joke about people being girl bosses a lot but there is like real actual problems and and the kind of we we use girl boss ironically for most of the time, but but serious girl bosses are frightening and they do yeah. need to be taken under control. Another book that I feel like kind of ties into this book a little bit thematically mm-hmm. would be Little Fires Everywhere. Have you yeah, read that or yeah. watched the miniseries, which yeah. is actually really good? Because um, that co- sort of talks about that as well. Mm-hmm. Like not really girl boss culture, but like white feminism yeah. and how if – uh, women of colour don't sort of fit into their definition of what of an what, empowered woman looks like. Or what a, a person of colour should be. Yeah. Then, it, then they're not valid. They're not yeah. valid. But, you know, this book was, it was young and it was fresh and it was a page turner and I finished it in two days and it was just brilliant. It was so good. Can't fucking wait to read it. Okay, what three books are you looking forward to reading? Okay, so we're going to go really quickly because yeah. obviously we don't really have anything to say about this. Um, I have a few things to say apart, about mine. Apart from... No, you don't. <laughs> okay. I've re- I've more gone for, like, vibes yeah. than for um, books that are specific, although yeah. I do have a couple of examples. So, generally, I would like to read more genre novels mm-hmm. rather than just, like, contemporary You're fiction. You're fried into genre novels. I am. Um, I haven't really read many and... The one that I did read this year, which was the Jonathan Strange, obviously ended up at the bottom. So I want to read I want to read some contemporary yeah. romance, obviously starting with Sally Rooney, but then yeah. maybe going to you know something a bit more light. And mm-hmm. I just want to see if I like that. Because yeah. I honestly have no idea. I like to read a fantasy You're book. You're dipping your toe sci-fi. into the pool of possibility. Exactly. And I just, I'd like to try out a whole lot of different genres while yeah. maintaining the books that I really like at the moment. Cool. Second, I would like to read a wider range of authors. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to read some Japanese literature. I'd like to read some... Fuck you, that's my point. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to read Japanese authors. I'd like to read some Russian authors. Mm-hmm. I would like to read um, some like Indian authors. I've got this book at the moment that I'd really like to read called Motherhood by Sheila Hiti. Mm-hmm. I'd like to read this, oh, this book called The Other Black Girl. Sounds mm-hmm. so good. It's basically described as The Devil Wears Prada meets Get Out. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck me Sounds up. Sounds fucking good. That is the best combination ever. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I would like to read more poetry f- purely because of Taye Tibble. Yeah. Um, she is invigorated, not even reinvigorated, invigorated mm-hmm. my love for poetry. So I like to basically find other poets that I like, mm-hmm. kind of like her. So I want to try out. So Mary Oliver, Ocean Vuong, Don't Sugar Magnolia Oliver, Wilson. That's also on my list. <laughs> but yeah, so those are kind of the books that I'm planning to read. I mean, who knows yeah. how many of those I'll get to, but... 
I have some more specific you, books. Yeah. Um, and Charlie has stolen a few of them. Um, I've got. Lo- I didn't know. You didn't. I know. It's okay. It's okay. I also don't own any of these books yet. So if any like kind of um, I don't know, like Sugar Daddy wanted to buy them for me, like. <laughs> Like I wouldn't Pouring mind. yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. Actually, I have one of them, but I don't have the other two. Um, first, I'm looking at Lonely Castle in the Mirror. Mm-hmm. It's by Mizuki Tijimura, I think is how you say her name. And it's Japanese fiction. Yeah. And it's kind of that magical realism. It's about this kind of mystery that's occurring in, in Tokyo where all of these like students are incredibly frightened to go to school, but then they find these magical mirrors in their bedroom that I think maybe they can step through or something into like different oh. worlds. So I'm really interested in that. And I have really loved the like translated Japanese fiction I've read in the past. Like Convenience Store Women is one of my all-time favorite books of all time. Like it was just so good. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. Um, the next one is Dreamwork by Mary Oliver. Um, this one, the Pulitzer Prize for Poetry. I've said Pulitzer Prize like probably seven times this we this love episode, <laughs> but it seems to be pu- pushing out some interesting and good books for the most yeah, part. Yeah. Um. So Mary Oliver is an American poet, and she's often seen as like one of the most influential and classic American poets, which I think is interesting because it's never come up in my own study, which I think means that she probably has been ignored for being a woman. So I'm interested in in seeing what she's about. Her poems yeah. that I've read already seem to be like quite, quite short and sharp and vivid. And so I'm enjoying that. So I'm gonna. So if you wanted to buy me that, I wouldn't really mind. <laughs> also, if you could buy me every single genre book, okay. a, a wide range. <laughs> My third one, um, I've actually already started a little bit. It's called "Can You Tolerate This?" Um, it's by Ashley Young. She's a New Zealand author, and it's a non-fiction book of personal essays. Um, yeah. I really love non-fiction. I, I'm keen for us to do a non-fiction episode next season. Yeah. Um, and the first essay in this collection I read to you, it was about the glass, it was called like Glass Bones, I think. Oh or, yeah, that was real good. Or like the Glass Skeleton or something. Really, really good. Um, it won the book Ockham Book Awards, which we know we stand oh, the Ockham Book Awards. Yeah. And my dad also really, really loved it. Um, I just love New Zealand literature and I'm keen to get amongst it. So those are the three that I'm looking forward to. Fabo. So yeah, that kind of concludes mm-hmm. season two Overall, we've got the big episodes out of the way, yeah. the mini episodes out of the way. Um, this has been a really fun season. Mm-hmm. We are currently thinking about sort of what we want to do for next year. Yeah. Um, what kind of books we want to talk about, whether we want to keep the same structures. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that um, we're just so sure that we're doing the podcast next year. It was funny the other day we came into Radio 1 and they said, so, you know, are you coming back next year? Like, would you want to do the podcast? And we were like, oh, we've already talked about it. Like, we're already, we're already, it's already in the back. podcast. It's so actually like, sorry, relevant so, if you want us you know, back or not. We're actually going to be back. here. Like, you can't get um, rid of us. We live here now. So, yeah, we, we renewed ourselves. <laughs> yeah. for So, thank you to us um, <laughs> yeah. for giving us the opportunity to do this again next year. Yeah, but exactly. in all honesty um, and seriousness, thank you so much to Bonnie and Tommy too. Yeah, seriously. Um, and and everyone at Radio 1. We love you. You've done an amazing job. Um. Yeah, we love the podcast. We love getting responses to it so much. Um, we're going to, over summer, try and be quite active on our Instagram. So if yeah. you want more reading stuff and more stuff from us, then go over to Instagram at required underscore reading yeah. underscore. Yeah. And, of course, thank you, University Bookshop. Yeah. Um, that was – this has been really exciting mm-hmm. to have – a sponsor for this season um, definitely felt like something was quite different this time than last yeah. time and it's been good to like engage with more people online and to be able mm-hmm. to 
give away a free book. Yeah, absolutely. Which is fun. Um, so, yeah, thank you, everyone. Everyone. And okay. thank you, Amy. Oh, thank you, Charlie. Thanks, Mum. Thanks, Dad. Thanks Love for my mum as well. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> That was a Radio 1 91FM podcast, but find more at r1.co.nz.